All right, Gabe. Well, we have a phenomenal guest on the show today. His name is Marcus Philly. He's been a CrossFit Games competitor. He's the founder of Functional Bodybuilding. He's really, in my opinion, has revolutionized this idea of functional and bodybuilding, i.e. the name of the company. And we talked to him today about being a father in particular, raising two girls and kind of how he balances those different things and what he's thinking about. I really I really enjoyed our conversation today. Um, what are your kind of takeaways before we get into the show? My first takeaway is that you made it seem like I was going to ask him all these very superficial questions. He's been asked a million times on a million podcasts. About how to build his lat, your lats? I'm glad the conversation went the way it did. No, I, I mean, it was... What I enjoy the most about when we have guests on the podcast is the fact that, and I, 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 I try and be very intentional about this. Like these guys probably get asked the same questions on a bunch of podcasts, right? Because they're known for being CrossFit games, athletes, programming, like fitness figureheads. But with what we're trying to do with train hard, like, I think there's a completely new angle that I know that these guys also like are fired up to talk about yes. and share. And yes. that's like that to me is super cool because everyone that, whenever we have a guest on the podcast, like it's very busy people, like they have a lot going on. And I don't take for granted the fact that they're taking an hour of their day to jump on our show. And I think that the worst thing that we could do is ask them the same questions they've been asked multiple times by multiple people. Um, so I, I really appreciated the fact that we got to dive into being a dad, his two girls, youth sports, you know, growing up with, you know, a, a sibling that has different interests and how that impacts, like, I didn't see that going there at all. And you no. got me thinking about a whole bunch of things. Um, but th that's what I love about what we've been doing with guests recently is like just trying to give them a different angle that I think they appreciate. And that I really hope people listening appreciate as well. Yeah. If you've been a Marcus Philly fan, or even if you go back and listen to like the Rich Froning or Josh Bridges or others, I think you're going to hear a line of questions and a conversation that is not typical that you would think of those individuals, which uh, to your point, Gabe, it's, it's not that they don't want to talk about those things. I actually think they really want to talk about those things. It's just not sure. the common questions they get mm -hmm. asked about. I mean, I was waiting for you to talk about, Hey, how do you, uh, how do you refine go. your six pack <laughs> ab? But we didn't get into that. So listen, uh, to everyone out there, we really appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Uh, this one with Marcus Philly is awesome. Sit back, you know, pull out your notepad, hit hit a hit a workout, go out for a ruck, go do something. But we hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get it. Marcus, really appreciate you being here with us today. Um, you know, I've been I've been obviously following your journey for a long time with what you've been doing and transitioning between kind of bringing this CrossFit-ish to bodybuilding. I think you really were one of the first people who've really evolved that, revolutionized that. I think you've done an incredible job with it. Um, but as of recently, like the last, I don't know, I'd say like the last year, I've been picking up on a little bit more of kind of your dad content, being a dad, being a father, being a husband. And it was just something I wanted to reach out to you and just have conversations about. You know, I think that's something that's really important to Gabe and I is how do we not only have conversations with our with ourselves, um, but also pull in other people. And I think what happens is in life, you get in these silos where you you begin, you get in this echo chamber where you're constantly hearing the same thing from the same people and it can start just kind of skewing your perspective. So I think learning from other people, learning from their perspectives is important, especially about all of us who have no second chances on leveling up as a dad. So that's what I want to talk about. I know Gabe probably wants to talk about like buys and tries and how he can get his lats bigger. Um, mm -hmm. but we have a lot to unpack, man. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And I, I 
Man, I feel the same way. I I'm in a, I'm in an echo chamber most days. You know, we're all kind of living the same life. So I was excited to come on and just chat with you all about uh, whatever topics came up. But yeah, family, uh, parenting, hus- husbandry, um, fitness, all all are very you know prominent prominently featured on the day to day in my life. Yeah. So laying a framework, you um, you've been with your wife now. You've been married for like seven years. Been together since '09. You have two children, and you were just sharing that you were, so were you the assistant soccer coach or were you the head coach? I was the uh, assistant soccer coach this year, um, which was, uh, I, you know, at this age, I think it just meant that I didn't keep the equipment in my car. That was the head coach's <laughs> role, yeah. but um, no, and, and no shade to the head coach. Like he and I are good friends and he was, he was awesome. He's been doing it for a few years. Cause he's got the third grader, who he's been coaching for four years now. And then his younger daughter, who's in my, my daughter's class, they've bonded and we're, we've been on the same team for a couple of years. So yeah, they have all the, they have all the gear. They know how to set it up and they live across the street from the school. So they just bring everything over. Perfect. Yeah. I was telling, I actually text Gabe a picture last night. I was at some batting cage with my son, essentially what I told Gabe, and I don't know if this is true yet for you, Marcus, because your kids are a little bit younger than mine. They mm-hmm. are, you said six and four, right? Yeah. So mine are 12 and nine. Essentially, if I'm not working during the day, like at night, I'm either at at sports and on the weekends, you're at sports and it just escalates yeah. tremendously. Uh, yeah. So so tell me just so, you know, I know your daughter, she's six. So what type of things like at this age, what type of things are you trying to instill in her from like a sports perspective? Because she's still pretty young. So like, yeah, obviously you want her to have fun and play, but like, what is your outlook on that in terms of sportsmanship, in terms of like competitiveness? Like what, what are kind of some driving factors that you see and, and what are you working on? Um, I mean, my wife and I are very much about what gets this kid to light up and just be having fun. Like soccer was and it's been two years of her doing soccer. She does gymnastics. They do dance. Those are kind of their main things that they've gotten excited about. Um, you know, what what makes it enjoyable for them? And if it's today, it's about the snacks that are happening at, you know, halftime. Then those, like, those orange that's, slices, dude. Yeah, or whatever is coming out of the, you know, woodwork from the other parents. Like whatever is getting them happy to be there and to bond with their friends and create relationships, like that's really all we care about. The second thing that's most important to us is just really honoring just effort and not praising doing anything particularly well outside of just the the effort or the uh you know what they bring in terms of uh energy to something. So it's like you scored a goal, great. You missed the goal, great. Like I'm I I really I know that early on for me it got instilled in my brain that love meant me being successful on the, on the soccer field or in the sport or whatever. It was like, cause I was praised for being a really good athlete, which I, I think is common amongst good, you know, the better players on the teams. It's like, wow, Marcus, great job doing that. Like, God, you're such a good, you were such a good goalie. Oh my God, you scored another goal. That's so awesome. And it was like, I never got somebody being like, I loved how you worked so hard out there. I loved how to see how much fun you were having. I love to see how, you know, how much you helped your teammate. Like it wasn't about the, the effort, the camaraderie, the relationships, and even failing. Like, I love to see you try so hard and miss those goals. Like that was awesome to see. And we're really, I'm really trying to lean into that with my wife and, and make sure that, you know, the success, whether they won, like none of that is really 
why we're here because ultimately they'll find something that they're really excited about and competitive drive is just innate in humans. Like I don't need to promote that in somebody. Like if they find what they love and they feel rewarded for giving strong effort in something, then if they want to be competitive, they will. And they'll, it, it'll, it'll surface without, you know, me sitting on the side, like, come on, Noah, get in there. Yeah. Like, you gotta score a goal. Like I hear parents doing that. And it just like, Already it breaks my fucking heart. Yeah. It's so already, I heard, you, you know, Gabe, I don't know what you think about that, but that's an interesting perspective that uh, Marcus just dropped. Did you pick up on that? Like that, the like love language of an athlete, especially cause, cause Marcus as a young kid, I imagine, cause you're, you're an athletic dude. Obviously you have a physique of a Greek God, but you, you're a very athletic guy. And so as a kid, what sports did you play? It was baseball, soccer, and golf for me. Primarily. And were you good at all of them? Yeah. I mean, I was the, I was on the all-star team. I was on the best teams. You know, I was the first in the league County, all that stuff for each sport. And, you know, it just became my identity early on and not because not, I think not for any other reason than like, that's where praise came from in my life was like, damn, you're really good at this. Like way to go. Like you're so good at the thing and good was measured by scoring goals, hitting home runs, not God, it looks like you're having so much fun out there. I love that you're having fun. I love that you tried something and you sucked at it. Like, you know, none of that was ever really uh, a topic of conversation or something that I heard that felt like, oh, my God, like people want to hang out with me because I'm not because I'm the best at this, because I'm like having a good time and they want to have a good time with me. Like that's a that's a complete game changer in terms of outlook later on in life as I see it. Marcus, do you think that it's it's possible to keep, you know, instilling and kind of like supporting the essentially being a good teammate, loving what you're doing, like having the energy in kind of like the world where we live in, where like sports are taken so seriously? Like, do you think that there's a point where, you know, it just does become about like, you know, all your friends are on the travel team. So you got to get on the travel team. How do you get on the travel team? You have to be good. You have to like, you know, have the stats, have the talent. I, I worry as I think about a lot of these things, whenever we talk to any other dads and they're kind of living it, because I have a couple of years is how do you, because I'm on the same page, right? I think the three of us are like, those are the things that matter. Those are the things that we want to celebrate and still hard work. Doesn't matter if you made the goal or you didn't, but how do you do that when that's almost counter to what everyone else is talking about, what the coaches are talking about, how the how the teams and the leagues are built and who gets yeah, to how be it's on the team. Right. right how yeah. it's structured and just what everyone's is kind of celebrating. I don't know. How do you how do you guys navigate that? Because I do think that it gets tougher also as kids get older, because this is going to be stuff that, like, you know, I want to be in the team that all my, you know, quote unquote, cool friends are, and they're not on that team because they love it or they're good teammates. They're on that team because they're good at the damn sport. Um, and I think mm. it starts putting this pressure on it pretty early. Um, so I'm just curious, how do you, and I know you might not be in there now because Noah's a little early, but how do you think about that and kind of continuing to have them involved in these leagues and in these groups without maybe buying into what these leagues and these groups do celebrate, which ends up being, you know, the performance. True, man. <laughs> oh, I feel like I've got so much to say on this because I'm just like, <laughs> we got it, time. Uh, yeah, we it, got to time. me, to me, I kind of wanted to just scream out like, 
fuck establishment, fuck the norms of what these sports leagues say is best and the way to like basically comply with their rules. It's it's uh it's like keeping up with the Joneses. It's like, oh well, everyone's doing this. Oh my God, everyone's everyone believes that status is this, and therefore I have to do the status, even though it makes me feel pain inside and I I hate my life, but I'm gonna just keep going along with the thing. And you talk about like, well, all the cool friends or all the particular friends are on the travel team or whatever. It's like, well, wait a minute, let's back up. My kid's school has 456 people in it. The travel team's got 10. How the fuck is that everybody? You know, it's it's not everybody. My wife grew up as somebody who liked sports, but she was not the elite athlete. She did not make the travel teams. Like she rode horses and loved it. She played soccer. Did she go to college and play D1 sports? No, not at all. Like I don't even think she made it through junior high, uh, you know, soccer. And she had amazing friends and people that cared about who she was and she developed an immense capacity for empathy, you know, early on in life because she wasn't necessarily focused on a culture of like, well, let's just praise people that are doing great and then shit on people that didn't, you know, well, God, you let that person sc-. like I see, a, you know, the kids on the kindergarten soccer team are getting pissed at their friends for letting for scoring an own goal. I'm like, this girl has been to like three practices this year. That's her only exposure to soccer. She kicked the ball and it went in a goal and what the hell? Like, it's not a big yeah. deal, you know? And I don't look, I, I don't want to be like this parent who's like, I don't really care if anybody does well at anything. It's just all love and happiness. Like I believe the drive to be good is something that will come out when people feel safe, secure, loved, and that they're being uh, praised or loved for their desire and their passions rather than the outcomes of what their passions will, you know, yeah. you know uh, look like. Well, I think what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is really insightful for me. Like, I, I, I believe that like, not everybody should get a trophy. I just believe that. I think you got to win and you have to lose. You have to learn what it feels like to feel those emotions. Um, and I don't think you're saying like everybody should be winning, blah, blah. But what you are saying is that you need to create a, a, a system early on that reinforces these habits of like love, care, uh, hard work, effort. And then everything else will stem from that because you'll end up your, your, your foundation is being built at a young age so that Mm -hmm. you're not just identifying yourself as an elite athlete. And it'd be like the same thing. And like, uh, you know, using the CrossFit games example, if I only looked at my self-worth as my performance at the CrossFit games, right, right or wrong, if that was the only thing I pegged to like my identity, well, if you don't perform well, then all of a sudden it can really impact who you are. But if you're a well-rounded individual with multiple things that are going on, but you still want to win, you still want to thrive. However, that that's a piece of your life, but not the only thing. I think that's that's why I'm looking at this conversation. Are you looking at it a little bit differently, Marcus? Or are we, are we saying the same thing? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of overlap. I think um, it's and maybe another way to word it is how do we get kids to embrace failure? as a strength and as something that is more powerful than winning. Because I know for you, Jason, and for you, Gabe, and for myself, like in athletics, 
what made you the best person possible? What made you the best? It was not winning the game. It was, fuck, we lost. How did, why did, why did I lose? Like, you know, and rather than carrying around this like sense of guilt and shame because you didn't do well, seeing it early on for what it is, it is a powerful tool and motivation to teach you lessons that make you a better human being overall. It is what led to hard work. It's what led to, you know, um, and then, but, you know, as a society and the leagues and the system wants to just really, really praise, you know, the, the victor, the winners. Whereas, you know, nowadays it's like you listen to, you know, uh, business coaches and self-help people. And it's like, <laughs> you need to get out there and you need to fail. You need to try stuff and you need to fail because failure is the best tool to grow. And we need to embrace and applaud failure. You know, it's, uh, it, it it's like, we're, we're trying to reteach these lessons in adulthood because we had a system built when we were kids that was just like, yes, here's the trophy for being the winner. So I'm not saying that everyone deserves a trophy, but I'm like, everyone does deserve some type of trophy. The, the losers need a, a, a system of recognition for why that's a good thing in life. Not like, hey, you went out and you didn't try, you didn't give effort. I'm I'm happy for you. It's like you went out. I saw you try. I saw you gave great effort. I saw that you stumbled and you fell on your face. And you know what? I am more proud of you for that. Like I'm so proud of you for that. And let's let's go out and celebrate that. Like let yeah. me show you that because the, the people need this. This is the number one thing people need. I need to feel like I can be loved because when I am loved, I know that I am enough. And that is that is fundamental to every single human being and when we work in this this uh you know this world of competitive sports where it's like you just won i love you more and therefore i'm enough when i win that can and that this is like me as a child like this got not for nobody was doing this maliciously it just kind of became a part of me and that now you know, it didn't, it didn't just stop at athletics. Then it stopped. Then that carries over to business that carries over to friendship that carries over to fatherhood. It's like, Oh my God, I did great as a dad today. Fuck, my, my wife loves me. People love me because I'm a good dad. And how many days are you a good dad? Hopefully a lot, but there's a shitload <laughs> right. of days where you suck and you're like, and so what does the, what do those days start to feel like? Fuck, I suck. Like I feel shame. Cause I, I raised my voice at my kid or I ignored them or I was on my phone or whatever. And like, oh man, my wife probably is just like not, she's just not, she doesn't love me today. Like I'm just not enough of it. Right. And where did that come from? It came from, you know, U12 soccer or whatever. Right. It's like, that's, yeah. that's, how I see the connection to our kids. And I'm like, man, this might, it's so ingrained into this sports culture that I want to, you know, I want to basically short circuit that wiring that starts so early for kids. And it happens also in classrooms too. It's like, my God, you got the A plus good, good job. Not like, well, I saw you work really hard on that. And you got a, a, a you know, you, you got five out of 10, like, but you work so hard. You like really, you know, you, you stuck with it. Like you tried, like anyhow. Yeah. No, I can go ahead, Gabe. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, we talked about this on a previous podcast, Marcus. And I think that like, what you already said that I think is like the tangible takeaway for anyone listening to this, that's like, 
yeah, I mean, this all makes sense. Like, what do I do? It's like, you have to be involved in these sports. Like you're coaching and you're there and you're present, not because, you know, you're celebrating and reinforcing all the things that these leagues value, but because you're bringing in this new perspective that I think is super beneficial. What we talked about in in a previous podcast was like, not only do you have to be intentional about being a dad at home, but who are the coaches that are coaching your kids? Can you be involved in the teams? Can you be someone that's there and influencing the culture sure. to move it away from this? And the really cool thing is that like Jason, super busy guy, Marcus, you have a lot going on. You're still finding time to go out there. You're still the assistant coach of this soccer team because you know how important it is. And I think that that doesn't mean that every dad listening or, or, or mom needs to go and like be an assistant coach at their teams, but you have to be involved in some way, shape or form. You have to know yeah. who's coaching these kids. What yeah. kind of interactions are they having? What are they promoting? What are they kind of stifling um, and make decisions on, on, you know, what kind of teams your kids are going to be based off of that? Well, and yeah. that's, that's been the big transition as, as a parent in the last couple of years is like, you know, going from where you're at Gabe with, you know, essentially a baby that you're just keeping alive between feedings, yeah, right? It's like, right. that's that's your job. To then, it goes quickly. You're like, oh my gosh, there are so many social and psychological dynamics that are happening for my kid and they're exposed to so many different types of parents and, you know, adult figures that could have a lasting impact on their life. Like, and it's happening at school. It's happening on the sports field. It's happening when they go to play dates. It's happening at the playground. And you're like, oh gosh, like I need to, I can't just, I'm not just keeping them alive. Like I not, not that I need to go in and intervene, but I need to be present and aware enough to see, yeah, th this is, I, I want to, I want to have my finger on the pulse of these relationships and the psychological, you know, <laughs> minefield that they might be walking through every single day. Yeah. I, 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 um, you know, something that I'm thinking about too. So Marcus, like, uh, I'm the assistant coach for Caden's, uh, flag football team coming up. Um, mm -hmm. I'm regularly engaged on every other sport he plays. He plays all kinds of sports. Right. And my big thing for him right now. And cause he is, he's extremely competitive. Like he's, he is, he's definitely like very competitive. And I actually think it's a good thing if channeled appropriately. And I think that you're hitting the nail on the head and you, you shine some good light. I mean, I think you're just playing on your previous experiences, right? I didn't have sure. the same experiences that you had. I didn't as a kid, like yeah. I was not, um, essentially, essentially like the love was not, uh, a factor of, of how well I performed because I raised BMX bikes and whether I won the championship or I didn't, it really was irrelevant to my parents. Like it was just unengaged. Like I, they didn't care about sports like that. Um, so I almost had like the complete opposite potentially. Right. Um, but I think for me, it's like, if I know that I'm seeing these signs that Caden's super competitive or that Ava really wants to win or whatever, what could I do to lay a framework of like, what is success for this, for, for this season? So what I try and do with Caden is I'm like, Hey, I'm just letting you know, success for this season is this was last season was developing your sportsmanship. Like, that's all I care about. So if I see good sportsmanship, like that's all I care about. And so that was like our focus for last season. Cause I feel like yeah. that was what we need to work on as a, as a family, right? This season, maybe it'll be different. I got, I got to think about what I'm seeing and how I could correct it. But it's like, I tried to focus on that and it really made an impact as far as I was concerned, because he knew whether it was winning or losing, it was almost irrelevant to me because all I was looking at from success or failure on that particular sport for that particular season was mm -hmm. sportsmanship. So that's one of the things I've instilled that I think has worked pretty well, at least for him. Yeah. Um, 
I uh, know. And, right. and I, I think, yeah, to that, like, look, I'm, like I said, I, I believe competitiveness will shine through without the help and, you know, encouragement or the need for it from a parent. And if it does, then that's, that's fantastic. That's who that child is. And I don't want to like stifle that. I want to foster it. I think what I, how I would approach that too, if my kids show a competitiveness towards something is I would help them really get focused on what are the traits that make you more successful in this competitive landscape that you want to, you know, rather than focusing on the outcomes, it's like, let's get, let's get our kids more focused on the inputs. You know, what are the inputs that make are in really their success? Yeah, yeah. Like, and sportsmanship is one of them. It's like a great, you know, the, not that all the best athletes in every sport were always the best, you know, they had the best sportsmanships, but many did. And they're the ones that people generally tended to love and respect and care about more than like, oh man, he was good, but he was an asshole. Like, I don't really like, you know, or she or whoever, you know. Um, so yeah, it's just helping them focus on what inputs they can control that will lead to success. And, you know, that's another part of the sports process that I'm, really interested in is the the physical inputs to all of them, right? Because now my life, I think probably in high school and then definitely in college, like sports, it was so crystal clear to me that sports were just this conduit for me to be a physically active person and explore really my body and fitness and what it could do um, and keep moving. And I think that that's something that I'm really, really interested to have like play a guiding role for my kids and other kids is like, look, it's great to be good at a sport, but ultimately you need to move for the rest of your life. And you may not be playing organized baseball or organized football, you, you know, probably well into your 20, you probably won't, you know, yeah. I mean, I look around and all the moms and dads in their thirties and forties, like who's actually playing any sports, very few. Uh, and how many are moving their bodies? Not a lot not enough. And it's sad. It's like, okay, so all that, you know, you talk about your heyday as a, this kind of athlete, or you play this sport growing up. How did that foster a deep appreciation for movement and your body and, and then using that like for the rest of your life. Um, and that's, that's something that I'm, I, I, when I see, you know, our kids are playing, you know, are in gymnastics and it's, it's constant movement, it's constant body awareness. It's, you know, or they're in hip hop dance and, there's a lot of movement, you know, and then there's soccer and maybe there's, you know, at this age, like there's a lot of standing around. There's a lot of, you know, looking at the, you know, ladybugs over there and picking grass. And, and I'm like, and not that that's bad because they need to build relationships. They need to get exposure, but I'm like, okay, how do we just get them excited about movement? And I, I see it in my kids with gymnastics. It's like, what are they doing on the soccer field at four and six years old? They're practicing cartwheels because they just want to move, you know, like, and I'm like, okay, well, let me keep that in mind as I start to see this develop more and more and more in different sports is what draws this connection between, oh, sports are place to build relationships, you know, learn, um, you know, characteristic, you know, build character, uh, maybe learn a little bit of like what it's like to win and lose. Like there's, there's value to that because those are going to happen in life. How do we support both sides of that? But also just move your body, like be inside of your physical being because you know we're going to work on your emotional and mental and spiritual health for a long time but your physical health is is like your your rock it's your foundation that which a lot of those other things are built upon 
And I want it to be as strong and robust for as long as possible, you know, and that, that starts with like making those connections between like gymnastics is you becoming strong and becoming, you know, connected to your, to your body. And I love seeing that when they get excited about daddy, watch, I'm, I almost got the splits. I'm like, that's freaking rad. Or my daughter six is, you know, cranking out pull-ups in the, in the garage. Cause she's like learned, you know, that that's something that the gymnasts do. And she's like, I can do this too. I want to do that. What you're doing. I'm like, this is, this is great. Yeah. It's awesome, man. I, it, it's so interesting because it's such a good point, right? Like you can take sports so seriously in your youth. And a lot of those people, most of those people end up just not moving in the future. And yeah. it's so crazy. Some of the stories you hear now about how seriously they take like single sports too. And me and Jason have talked about this in the past, but how that could be one of the most, not most, obviously it's better to move in some way, shape or form, but like getting your kid all in on baseball from like a super early age mm -hmm. is not going to be as productive to their overall like health athleticism. Even some people would argue performance in baseball to like, just do that from early age. They should be doing soccer and gymnastics and all these other things. Cause they'll learn and establish such a great foundation that can then get them to the point. Like you hear stories of you know, kids as young as, you know, in their early teens getting Tommy John surgery now, because, you know, mm -hmm. the repaired elbow will be stronger than a fresh elbow. So then they'll be less likely to get injured through like high school and college, which are important. They're years. doing and this preventively. They're not like, it's not an injury. They're just getting the surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, oh. it's, it's, oh, it's, it's, Marcus, it's crazy. The red shirt theory. Crazy stuff, man. Have you oh, heard yeah, the, the red shirt, shirt theory? theory? Dude, the red shirt theory is a real thing, man. People are are doing eighth grade twice or staying home before going into high school so that they're a year older, especially now because of college sports and the ability to, um, you know, get paid in college. It makes a difference, especially if you're a young man. A year is, a, is an eternity when you're a young man. Yeah, a year bigger, wow. a year stronger. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, it's It's unfortunate because like you said, you know, the, the hope there is that they'll maybe end up playing professionally. This will be the thing they do for the rest of their life. It'll, mm -hmm. you know, change your life for the better, but what percentage of these kids are actually getting there versus the percentage that are putting, you know, all their eggs in this basket at the sacrifice and detriment of their long-term health, long-term movement, um, enjoying other things, so on and so forth. And then they get to this point where it's like, all right, I didn't make it on this path. Now I'm on this path, but I'm like, you know, 10 steps behind where I could have been if you took mm. a more balanced approach. Whew, man. Well, uh, I don't have much to comment on that outside of that's um, insane. It's, it's, it's insane, but it's also, you know, going back to what you, the question you asked me, Gabe, like, how do you, if this is the way the system's set up, like, you know, this is what the, the competitive leagues and this is the the culture of them and you know how do you approach that because you don't want your kid to miss out it's almost like miss out on what miss out on wanting to get tommy john surgery when they're freaking 13 right. and you know skipping taking eighth grade twice or taking a year off when they're all their friends started high school but they're going to get held back so that they have yeah, a that, chance that at, one's tough i yeah i mean I, that that blows my mind um but uh, yeah, so it's, uh, I think it's just when we actually, <laughs> I had a, <laughs> a, a my therapist uh, that, uh, that I see every other week, um, 
we were in a discussion recently where I was, I was up, I was like trying to make a pretty big decision or something that felt like a big decision to me. And I think I said something like, gosh, I'm like, but I'm afraid to like lose connection with reality. <clears throat> so that was like the words that came out of my mouth. And he was like, what? Uh, it's like, I, I, I want to push back on that. It's like, what's the reality that you're afraid of being disconnected with? Like from what you've shared with me, you're living a hard reality right now. This thing that is like, you want to change, like you want to change something because the your lived reality now is scaring the fuck out of you. <laughs> and you're scared to go change it because you don't want to lose touch with reality. It's like, you don't want your kid to miss out on the reality of what this system looks like, but the system is producing a, a totally fucked up reality for so many people. You're like, wait, why do I want my kid to not miss out on the thing that is making that the system itself is getting people Tommy John surgery at 13 pre pre preventatively or to, to ensure a better outcome down the road. It's like, or, you know, Oh, wow. Wait a minute. Yeah. It's actually okay. If I don't, if my kid misses out on that thing, because the outcomes of that thing, that system, the culture of the competitive league might actually be pretty broken, you know, and, and rather than like work to keep them involved because that's what everyone's doing. And that's the current of life. It's like, maybe we got to really stand up and take some different approaches or, you know, points on it or yeah. Or uh, risk or risk missing out on the thing that, you know, might actually not be what we we hoped it would be for them. Now, I, I just yeah, go, I just want to make my my like a quick point on this because I'm like fully in it, right? Like I'm in it. Like my nine year old is playing travel ball. Like I'm my twelve year old is doing tra uh, uh, comp uh, or uh, travel volleyball. Um, so I'm in it in it. And one thing that I do want to say is like as a parent, you've got to be aware, right? You have to be aware. You yeah. have to balance what my children want versus what they need versus what society wants them or needs. Like you got to start balancing these things. Like for me, my son gets a lot out of structure and he needs movement and he needs that discipline. Like he needs those things in his life. And I provide it to him in certain ways, but like Caden, if he had it his way every day, he would go from school to practice. He would want a strong figure to be telling him how to perform better. And he would want to make connections with other people who feel that same way. Like that's important to him. That's beautiful, man. Like verse, my daughter is a little bit different, but I think just being aware of those things and then not getting too wrapped up. So for example, like with travel baseball, it could become like a really big thing. But then all of a sudden, if you're not playing other things, maybe you're not fostering other connections, learning other sports are a little bit more team-based versus individual up at the plate, for example. So like, anyways, I'm just trying to balance these things about what sure. they want, right? And the benefits that come with it, right? Like, like you're saying, like these realities, right? Like the reality is if you're on a travel team, you could also foster a lot of relationships. Like one of the things that we're going through is like in my daughter's class, there's 25 students, 12 of them are girls. They've been together for years. And so what is the likelihood of her fostering strong relationships with 12 girls in seventh grade, right? And how do we provide her opportunities to make other friends outside of that small class one way to do that is club volleyball. So like, I'm just mm -hmm. giving you other, other, other whys to why I think some of these things are really powerful. You know? No, I appreciate that perspective too. And I, I love what you said, which is like, 
it's it, this 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 question of I think a lot of parents it's easy to sort of take your own stories and your own history and your own perception of how this stuff is you know playing out and be like okay this is what I I think my kid what my kid needs and you try and steer them rather than like just be aware of what what's out there listen to what and and really be reflective on like this is what my kid wants this is what my kid actually needs because I'm listening to them and I'm actually connected to their their development and then okay how can I give my child what they need you know in this kind of environment this community this culture this society that we're surrounded by that has sort of rules that are there from you know centuries of you know evolution in this modern world like how do i how do i help them get there and and not just like assume that it's going to be okay that okay yeah they want structure they want to play a sport cool i'll just put them in this thing and whoever's running it's going to do a good job cuz you know they must they must care it's like well don't make that assumption yeah yeah we just to well, I was just going to to put a pin in into the Tommy John surgery thing, because even as I was saying it out loud, I was like, they can't be right. But it is indeed right that now, and this article is actually from 2015, the majority, 57% of Tommy John surgeries are teens 15 to 19. And that surgery rate has been going up 9% per year. And it is that Ugh. they're doing preventatively in that they'll hurt their elbow, but they'll hurt their elbow in a way where in the past, it's just like, just rest it do some of this stuff, like it'll be fine. But instead they're just like, let's just repair it. And, you know, usually wow. they, they it, it strengthens it a little bit. And the article even goes into like, there's a lot of long-term concerns of like, it'll change the feeling and how your hand and, and like entire arm works because you're replacing a ligament so early in their age when they're still very much developing. So the stat is true and it's, it's crazy. But even as I was saying it out loud, I was like, this can't be right, but it is indeed right. Which is, is unfortunate. nice job. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, but I, I, I have a question for both of you based on some of the stuff you were just saying. And I, Jason, you allude to this a lot, but how do you balance, especially once you have more than one kid having very different, like big differences in like what they're interested in. And I think that like naturally one is going to be more aligned with what you're just genuinely interested in, right? Like, I think that we're the three of us here really value training, played sports, love sports. So that's something that like, we'll just naturally be excited about. How do you balance another kid having other interests that you still want to obviously support? Cause I know that none of us three here are going to be like, Hey, this is what I want you to do. And that's that, right? Like we want to support whatever they want to do. How do you figure out being as enthusiastic about some of the things that maybe aren't naturally something you're interested in to make sure that it never feels like, well, this is my sports kid and this is my other kid and never letting that be something that, you know, can even like come into their mind because I, I know that I wouldn't want that. And I know that neither of you would want that either. Do your kids have different, um, uh, Marcus, do your children already show a difference in like what they're interested in at this age or are they still too young? I think they're starting to um they're starting to show that they're t like it's it's creeping up a little bit but our younger really just wants to do what her older sister's doing in a lot of ways um but I I mean gosh I I've thought about that a lot because my brother when I grew up and I like I have two brothers but one that's like very close in age 
the other one that was about 15 years older than me, half brother. Mm-hmm. So the, the closer one in age, like we were very different humans, like to almost every character trait there was like he got exposed to some sports, but like he was not the sports guy. Like he was, he didn't fall in love with training. He was a much more social person than I was. Um, he wanted to go on the month long, you know, summer outdoor, you know, adventure camp, uh, sleepaway camp. I didn't want to go anywhere near that. I was like, I want to be close to my parents, like send me to a week long sports camp. That's enough for me. Um, he was artistic, would draw really creative. I was like, give me a science and math book and I'm going to be happy, (laughs) you know? Uh, so we just had a lot of differences and, and not that like one of us, um, or my, you know, my parents, like, I think my dad and I shared a passion for golf. And so I got to spend a tremendous amount of time with my dad on the golf course, which I know was not something that my brother got to spend a lot of time doing with him. And it wasn't like him favoring me. It just, you know, it was easy for my dad to feel, uh, a, a, a commonality and a, and spend time and be in a physical space with me because of that. He also loved to come to my like sports events and support me, but there wasn't that kind of sport event for my brother for him to go. And I mean, not as many, you know, it was like for every 10 games I had, my brother had one game, you know, growing up. Um, And then I was on the travel team and because we had committed to that, you know, we had to travel all around the Bay area and throughout Northern California for most of my youth. And, can't just leave my brother at home. Like he's got to come along. So it's like, he's sort of tagging along to these big things. Like I never went to, you know, Morgan Hill or Fresno to like cheer for my brother at a soccer game. You know, that just wasn't part of my childhood. And so, and how did that play out for him in his life? You know, or how did that play out for me in my life? What did that do? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but it's something that I want to be really mindful of with my kids. And yeah, I'd love for them to be interested in some of the same things. And especially in whenever there's opportunities to like, you know, as a family support them both equally in something right now, it's gymnastics and dance. Like they both love to do that. They're both in the same dance class. This is a win, but at some point it's probably going to diverge. And, uh, just having that awareness of like, I don't want to make it clear or obvious or in any way perceive that, I appreciate this child more because they happen to be interested in what I'm interested in. You know, it's going to be an opportunity for me to to sort of e- expand what my interests are. And it already is like, yeah, I, I don't particularly love to like, you know, I'm not, I'm not like a hip hop dance guy, but I'm going to try and get into it. I'm not a big, you know, I'm not like my wife recently just took up uh, singing in a band. And like, this has become a big, you know, part of the family is like singing, you know, rehearsing lyrics, like, and I'm like, we got a karaoke machine. I'm just like, okay, like, uh, this isn't really what I'm into, but I got to, this is an opportunity for me to expand myself. And, you know, this is, this could be a way to show some real love and care and commitment to everybody in the family. Dude, that's a really interesting, I can't wait to see some videos of you hip hop dancing and doing karaoke, but I think it's the whole idea of like, um, you're kind of taking a step back and like kind of thinking through different lenses. So like, for example, it's really easy with the sports to get wrapped up. I was thinking about it as a kid and I, I just thought about this because Caden 
got brought home like a little trophy, right? He puts it in his room. And I was thinking as a kid, where did I put my trophies? And I hadn't thought about it until I really thought about it. When I was racing BMX, they give you a trophy for anything. Like it was like, if you, if you like in BMX, especially on the national circuit, like, dude, you'd get these giant ass trophies that are like as tall as like a small kid. And I put them on the piano in the family room. And I didn't think about it until later on in life, but like those, those trophies do not belong in the family room on a piano because it celebrated me too much. It should have been in my own room, a private thing. And, um, those are things that I'm thinking about, like how do you celebrate wins each one, but make sure they each have their own lanes of things they're interested in. So like, for example, Ava loves to bake and it's like, how can I get more involved in that? Or do other things like plays? How can I get more involved in that? Because they are completely different kids. But I think just having that awareness, I think is important. Like you were sharing with your brother, like even like a travel, I hadn't thought about that until now, but like, if, if we're traveling all the time, how do you make that experience? Not just about him, but make it like a family thing. Otherwise it's just like him, 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 him. And right. not like that connection. Right. And just, I think having that awareness, I think is really important and it goes vice versa. Right. Like, um, you know, we've had to kind of balance that with, with Ava being sick. Obviously we, we kind of had the opposite shift, right. That was, that was a different shift for us, which was needed at the time and whatnot. But yeah, I think having that awareness, I think is key. So thanks for asking that question, Gabe. I think that's a really good one, by the way. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And, and as you were talking about you and your brother, Marcus, man, I was like, shit. Because it, I, I haven't thought about it that way, but I mean, it was the same thing, you know, growing up with my little sister, you know, we always traveled for my swim meets and it was always like her in the stands, like rooting us on. And again, you know, like how that impacted her life impacted my life. Like, I, I, I don't know either, but it is really interesting to think back on how stark of a different experience that is and trying to at least be mindful of whether that's happening. Cause I don't think it's as simple as saying that that's bad for child B or good for child A. I think it's just something that you have to be mindful of because it is different. It's incredibly different. And mm -hmm. trying to give that level of attention to to both, even when it's very different events or different interests. And I love I love hearing that you're doing, you know, the hip hop dancing and stuff that I know wouldn't be like a normal like, hey, Marcus Philly interest. But mm -hmm. if it's a family interest, it's it's our interest as as dads. Like it it, it has to be. Um, yeah. that's kind of our, our role in the family is to never stifle something that is naturally firing up our kids. So love, love, and appreciate you sharing that, man. That was, that was really cool. I think one, um, one more thing I can share about this is that, you know, my experience growing up was one that I think instilled in me just sort of like, yeah, for better, for worse, just sort of a self-centeredness, like okay, like we made a lot of sacrifices for my sports, for, you know, my travel, for the things that I was interested in that were time consuming for the whole family. And, um, that, that became a little bit of my worldview is like, okay, I'm the center and then everything else is around me. And I think that it, uh, you know, it, I think thankfully it didn't, you know, stifle my ability to, you know, connect with empathy and, and to see others for, you know, what their lived experience is, but it made it a bit harder. And I missed a lot of that. And I think my marriage and my relationship to my wife and now being a dad has really highlighted like, oh, this is a, this is a, this is something that I need to relearn as a human. It's like, I'm not, it's not just Marcus with like, 
Noah, Joey, and Megan like circling around. It's like we're we all have to have uh like we all have to have a place and we have importance in this family. And each of us has our own lived experience that deserves room and attention and space. And how do we get our kids to really appreciate that too? Like my wife is so, I mean, she's a, she's a therapist. She is one of the most uh, empathic people I've ever met. She is so, she's so outwardly focused on like, how is everybody else's lived experience around me? How is everybody else feeling in this room? Like, and that's part of how she grew up in her experience as a child that made that such a high priority. And <clears throat> her mission is like, how do I, how do we teach that to our kids? Like if our kids, what's going to be a successful childhood experience, what defines success in pre, you know, in preschool, in TK and kindergarten and first grade, it's if they can look at their, their friends and truly empathize with them and connect with them and care for them. She's like, then we're building and we're raising great kids. And, you know, when they get the report card or the message from like, we get the message from a teacher that like, you know, your kids like really are aware of their friends' feelings. They check in with them. They are like, that's when it's like, wow, we won. And something like making sure that all of our weekend events are equally, you know, everybody gets an equal uh, distribution of attention and, and focus. You know, if, if we, if we go on a travel soccer game to Fresno with Noah, then like, Hey, Joey, what do we want? What, what are we going to do for Joey today? Like, how are we going to turn the focus on her? What is her desire on the Saturday? Because we just had to go do this on Sunday. And it's like, and then really get Noah to, spend you know turn her attention towards her sister like hey we just did this great thing like it's joey's turn today it's joey's day like how can we make it special for her and you know whatever behaviors or whatever routines and rituals that we can create as a family to foster that is uh you know it's, the world is lonely enough for people we want to foster more connections with humans and it starts early if you just believe that everything's about you and that the whole world revolves around you. It's much more easy to sink into loneliness as a young adult, as an adult later in life, especially when things get more complicated and there's stress and there's pressures that show up when you're an adult that you don't have as a kid. So it's like, and what do we want people to do when they're stressed out and they're depressed and they're feeling anxious as adults and they're under the gun? It's like you want them to reach out to people and connect with other humans but their, their lived experience up until that point in life is like, well, it's all on me. Everything was focused on me. I got to figure this out myself. I'm going to go inward. I'm going to be alone. And it's like we have the power to like potentially foster a different type of you know worldview where it's like it's not just me. I'm connected to all these people around me and that my happiness could be you know so impacted by just in turning the, the spotlight for me and just turning it on to somebody else. That's one of the things I think that CrossFit did a good job of is connecting like-minded people in an environment of shared suffering where you don't feel like you're alone through some of these things and you create these bonds. Like right now we're doing these train hard men's club and we meet up like once a week, we just throw down as a group of guys. And exactly what you're talking about is like what we're trying to foster is this idea of like 
you know, empathy, like, Hey, how are you doing? And all of a sudden you just have a conversation. It's like, wow. But I like what you're talking about, about fostering this early so that it it's ingrained in you that it's okay to like, you know, check in with others and you're checking in like, like it's a mutual, it's a mutual, it's a community impact versus like a solo flow. And I think as society, right. If you look back generations and generations, it was more of like a tribal community, right? Because each person had to connect with the other, whatever. Now, as we've gotten more connected, we've actually gotten less connected because mm-hmm. of so because of you know internet and whatnot. So I think what you're doing is you're almost fostering like this this sense of um, tribe at an early age that as they get older, they're still leaning on those experiences. If that if that makes sense, though, that's the way I'm taking it. As as you know, that's why I'm hearing it. <laughs> no, I like the way you the way you articulated that. That's awesome. One kind of like last thing I definitely wanted to get to and 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 get your your take. You want to talk about Marcus. bodybuilding or what? <laughs> no, no, no. I think these topics are so much more interesting. <laughs> I don't know why Jason thought that I was going to ask just questions about bodybuilding. No, no, no. I'm I think totally there's plenty. Joking. Marcus has plenty of that content out, and you guys can go find it if you want. This is so much more interesting. But one thing that me and Jason have been talking about recently, and it ties into a lot of what we've talked about with kids, and I think it applies very much now with adults and, and and dads and just people trying to move their body is there's a lot of like, especially with the new year coming up, there's a lot of talk about like, you know, discipline and motivation. You got to get it done. You got to get in there. You got to get in the gym. You got to move your body. But I think like the key that we, the three of us, you know, I think would agree have found is that like, we enjoy training. Like we love it. Right. It's like a part of like, I can't, start my day without moving my body. Like I feel so much better after I get my workout. I know Jason feels the same. Marcus, I know you love it as well. How do people find that joy in doing something that is so important for them to do long-term? And the reason that 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 I ask this is because everyone is going to start the new year moving their body, not everyone, most people, moving more than they did before, right? Like that, that motivation is infectious. There's something about like clean slate new year. It just gets you want to like download some app, you know, like get on a program, go to the gym, but it always fizzles. And I think it always fizzles for a lot of people because there isn't that genuine, like, this is something that lights me up. Like I can't go about my day at a hundred percent if I didn't work out to start. Mm-hmm. What is something that like could help people get closer to that instead of it just being this thing of like, I hate it, but I know I have to do it. So it's just something I'm going to check off the list because I think that that, that always works for just a certain amount of time. And then it just can't because you can't keep, you know, white knuckling through these things. You have to make it something that like you, to some extent, enjoy. Mm. Yeah. Um, just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that was, I wish I had the magic answer for that. I mean, two things come to mind. I mean, since we're on the topic of raising children, you know, I think it's, <clears throat> you have a much better chance at doing that early on in life to instill some type of love and passion for movement um, just through repeated exposure. And then, you know, finding ways to just drop subtle connections to you know a kid's happiness and their their fond memories that were connected to movement and doing things um and and of course seeing your parents do it uh, as young kids is really extremely powerful and you know creating behaviors that will last a long time 
or least values that will that will last. Um, and <clears throat> the other part of me was listening to what you're saying, and it was like I had this kind of like almost like a David Goggins like mindset where it was like you don't have to fucking like it. You just got to do it. Like there's, um, unfortunately, you know, the life is not, you know, we, we, life is not set up in a way where we have to do anything physically active to survive and to live into old age. Like you can get by with doing nothing. I'm not saying it's going to be a qual a really high quality life, but you can get, you can age into your seventies and eighties without, ever really moving you know and so the uh the survival instinct to move has been stripped away from everybody we don't have that and um i don't know that we really evolved in such a way where you know movement in and of itself was like this like you know behavior that you're like oh if i move i'm going to feel better and it's going to be better for my survival it was movement was a tool to reap the rewards on the other end which was food and then food was this massive you know dopamine rush that you're like okay i got to keep doing that this is my survival so uh, movement was a means to an end not like the thing that people woke up and were like you know what I feel like going and picking up some rocks today like pick up the rock if you have to build a shelter. And I heard like a, I was this, this guy that wrote this book, I think it's called exercising or something like that. But he like basically looked at, you know, did this sort of uh, uh, anthropology sort of, you know, look over human history and movement and, you know, talking to like hunter gatherer tribes, like modern day hunter gatherer tribes and, and trying to talk to them about like this concept of movement and exercise and they don't even have words for that in their culture. They don't even have it in their language. They're like, what is exercise? Like, right. why would, why would I go and do this? Why would I go and if Extend I didn't have additional to, energy, yeah, why right. would, why I, would do I do that? that? It's right. not enjoyable. There's nothing really great about it. Um, so we're bio, we're trying to like hack our way through this fundamental flaw. That's, that's in modern society, which is we don't have to move for any particular reason. And so that's where what you're saying becomes a tool that in the health and fitness community we try and use, which is like, how do you make this more enjoyable? What is, you know, what is en enjoyable about movement? And the enjoyment of movement comes from doing it repeatedly many, many times and seeing the, the, the positive impact that it has later on for most people. It's not like I loved going the first time and struggling to lift weights. Like that, that, that isn't that exciting for, for a lot of people. And like going out and playing, um, the the other thing was like i hear so many you know parents talk about this who i meet and they see that i'm into fitness and then you know and they say like well you know i just i never really got into like working out but i love sports and i'm like great how many freaking sports are you playing right now like are you playing sports 3 to 4 times a week like in a in a structured routine way like why are you waiting on that to be the thing that's going to get you back moving you cannot it's not going to work. And so, yeah, I'm not saying you shouldn't try and seek out like sports and go play pickleball once a week and get into that. Like, please, by all means. But perhaps it's like changing. It's a, it's a mindset shift of, you know, movement has to be super enjoyable and fun. Where, whereas, no, it has to be something that you do 
routinely and let's help people understand what the minimum effective dose of movement is to sort of check the box. It's like, you know, I don't love flossing my teeth, but I know two minutes or a minute of flossing my teeth a day is like super impactful. If somebody was like telling me like, you got to floss your teeth five times a day for 10 minutes yeah. each. And that's, you're, what's going to get you the it. best. You're not, you're like, forget that. And that's kind of what, what we've done as a fitness culture has been 100%. like, yo, if you want to get in shape, you got to go train five days a week. You got to do 75 hard. You got to do two workouts, 45 minutes a day. One's got to be outside. You got to eat this. And you're like, people are like, fuck that. It's like, no, you just got to go for a walk and you got to do full body resistance training three days a week. And it can be for 45 minutes and this is how you do it. And each week you get a little bit harder and, you know, you just simplify things down for people so that they realize that they got to floss their teeth, but it's only going to take a minute, you know, uh, to make something measurable and don't undersell like, Hey, if you just like walk for five minutes a day and you know, you're going to be fine. It's like, don't lie to somebody being like, if you just floss in between the front two teeth, you're fine. You don't need to do the rest of them. That's a lie. Just like telling somebody they got to floss 10 minutes a day, uh, three times for 30 minutes. That's also a lot. You know, you don't have to do the super complicated training fitness program with the like highly regimented restrictive diet and, you know, take a cold shower four times a day. And then, you know, right. It's like four times a day for sure. Well, obviously cold, uh, cold plunging four times a day and, <laughs> and, and, and uh, sauna at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put your cold plunge in the sauna and yeah. just jumping in and out. Yeah. No, I, I like what you're saying, man. I, I, I appreciate, you know, one thing to think about from like a, like, like evolutionary perspective is that's a really good thing to understand. Like why would a traditional person today, because to your point, if you can get into your seventies, eighties, and not really have to do much movement, really, because we have all these modern day benefits, right? But if you look at it from an evolutionary perspective, the dopamine, the release, the the feeling of good, um, you know, it came, you know, physicality and exercise really came from like having to protect themselves, like run, jump, climb, et cetera, and or hunt for food or or go get water or whatever. Like that was just like their thing. It wasn't like it wasn't like exercise was built in as this, as this evolutionary component that made them feel better. Right. That's, that's an interesting take on it because I mean, I look at exercise as it does make me feel better. Right. I, I'm a different person when I'm done with that, but I think that we have to re re re-engage the people who are out of the mix and let them know that it's not as big of a gap from where they're at today to where they need to go. I think that's Mm -hmm. really important. I think that we've just gotten so fixated on all these hacks and it's like, dude, like you, I saw a video you put up of like, just rucking. I mean, bro, come on. Like you ruck for 30 minutes on a call, like you're winning. And then you add in yeah. some resistance training. Yeah. yeah I, I hope that for someone listening, I know most people that listen to this podcast are probably working out regularly, but if you're not, and you're listening to this right now, right. And you maybe found this podcast because of the Jocko pod, whatever, right. And you don't exercise as often. Whoever knows how you found this podcast, dude. Start off weighted walking. You could just do that on a regular basis, add in some basic resistance training and like do that repeatedly for a long period of time. And you're going to be fitter than most people on the planet. I just, it's not that complicated, but I think we put it up on a pedestal for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Flossing analogy is so good. Flossing analogy is excellent. (laughs) I'm stealing that. That's the first time I've ever pulled that one out. But yeah, no, I, it, it's, uh, 
Hmm. Yeah, we we sometimes I think it's uh, important to just start acknowledging just how fundamentally different our way of life is today relative to how our biology is structured. Yeah. And that is, you know, if if we can appreciate that, we get more people to appreciate it. We stop asking the questions of like, why can't I seem to do this? It's like, you can't do it because, you know, you're, <laughs> it's like you're, you're an Apple operating system inside of an IBM computer. That's what you are. Like, it just doesn't work. Like our operating systems that we evolved are in, you know, weirdo land. Like we're in a totally different in world. And so things don't work so naturally. Right. And, you know, when you said like, I feel great when I, when I exercise, I get the endorphins, I get the dopamine. It's like, and if you just spent a day being as physically active as somebody would need to be in order to survive without, you know, a grocery store and a car and, uh, you know, a, a shelter, then you would get all of the same physical benefits, you know, without having to force yourself to go do it and create structure. So, you know, if somebody's looking for, hey, how do I manufacture that like kind of natural movement flow to my life? It's like, well, you could go back to being in kindergarten where you just ran around and jumped on the playground and climbed on the monkey bars. Like I see it happening for my kids right now. It's like they they naturally are just doing the thing because we drop them at school and that's how it's structured. But that structure stops very soon where it's like sit in your desk, do more homework. You know, it's not cool to be like, swinging on the monkey bars anymore because that's for the little kids. And we go over here, we just stand in circles and talk, you know, or we lo start looking at our phones instead. We're talking God, like that naturalness of movement built into our kids' lives is like, it's it then stops. And then now you've got a lifetime to basically either wishfully think that you're going to get back to just like, oh, movement's just easy to do. And it's just fun. And I just enjoy it all the time. Or it's like, nope we kind of have to structure it, you know, and that's, that's the trade-off of being in the modern day with modern day comforts and still not letting your body deteriorate into a decrepit, you know, uh, vessel that just isn't going to support a healthy lifespan. Hey, we're getting knowledge drop, uh, <laughs> knowledge bombs dropped from Marcus today. Oh, Dude, man. I, uh, I really, I really appreciate your time. I feel like you know, I want to be sensitive of your time today, but I feel like we could, we should talk again on other additional subjects, but I think this one was really valuable, especially you pulling in um, some of your background as a, as a kid. You know, I think that we could all kind of look at our, you know, lens. And I think that our parents all did the best they could with what they had. Like they, I think they all tried to do the oh, yeah. best they could, but the question becomes like from us as younger parents, like what could we do to take that 10% better? And then the next generation, mm -hmm. hopefully they take it, 10% better. Right. And that's the goal is this leapfrog effect to just create more optimization in terms of like what we could do and, you know, from health and et cetera. So dude, I really appreciate your time. I mean, Gabe, any, uh, final, you know, questions for Marcus before we, we let the guy get on with his day and go crush whatever else he has planned. No, but we definitely have to do this again. I really appreciate you coming on Marcus. Make sure let people know where they can find you, um, how they can interact with what you have going on make sure to include that. But I appreciate you coming on, man. That was a fun one. No, I appreciate it too. And I'm happy that the conversation went the way it did. And I love that sentiment, Jason, of, you know, we, our parents, my parents did a phenomenal job and they did the best that they could. 
And were there mistakes that they made? Yeah. Did they know they were making them? No. And that's where it's like, I have whatever success and whatever scars I have in my life. Um, you know, they played a big part in all of it and I'm thankful for it. And I'm going to upgrade what I'm doing with my children and they're going to upgrade what they're doing with their children. Cause my kids are going to grow up and they're going to be in their twenties and they're going to have a phase where they're like, fucking dad, why did you do this to me? You know, right. which, right. which it makes me kind of ch get choked up and tear up. Cause I'm like, God, yeah. It's like, it's just an, it's an inevitable part of life where it's like, I'm going to do the best that I can and I'm still not going to be perfect. And that's okay because this is part of our, our journey through, through life. And one day it's none of it's going to matter anyway. So, you know, let's not get overwhelm ourselves and just think like, I can do this thing exactly the right way perfectly, but let's just stay connected with other, you know, our peers and learn from each other, have conversations like this upgrade what we're doing, bring more awareness. You know, maybe somebody listening today heard something about, you know, youth sports and, you know, how they might parent or how you've chosen to parent Jason or how I'm looking at things. And maybe that just opens their eyes to like, oh yeah, like maybe my kid needs a little bit more of that attention, or maybe I haven't thought of it that way. And Hey, that happens when we get together, we have meaningful conversations. We respect each other's opinions. I listen to questions that you're asking, Gabe, and things that you're posing. And it's getting me to think, okay, yeah, yeah maybe, I, maybe I'm a little too fixed in my belief of that. So uh, anyway, I appreciate how you guys are running this podcast and the questions you're asking and the platform that you've created. So uh, I'd be happy to come back anytime. And um, yeah, hopefully we, could, uh, we can connect in person one of these days too. We got a train hard men's club tomorrow morning, six 30 before uh, Thanksgiving. This will probably release next week. And then uh, I'll, <laughs> um, I'll let you know if you ever want to come down to the South Bay, but uh, yeah, in man. the meantime, what's the best place uh, is Instagram, the best place for people to engage with you. Yeah, for sure. Just go on to Instagram, slide in my DMS and I'm happy to connect with people. And uh, I still message a lot of people every day. So. Perfect. Well, I'll, we'll make sure to put the link in the podcast show notes to check out Marcus Philly and everything he has going on. Uh, Marcus, we really appreciate you. Everybody listening, simple ask. If you enjoyed this podcast, share with a friend, add some value to others, leave the podcast a rating and review definitely helps us out. But most importantly, make sure you're training hard, keep getting after it. Hope you and your family are doing well. 